Hi friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 116, and it's called Wisdom Part 1, Meet Your Sister. And uh, what I want to do in the next episodes, I actually have no idea how long it's going to take, is I want to introduce you to the ancient wisdom tradition. And the reason why I want to do this is because we need it more than ever. Um, the question that I have heard this past year, almost more than any other question is, how do I watch the news and not lose my mind? <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's seriously, you won't believe it. Whatever city, whatever country I am, somebody asks some question that is a version of that. What is happening? Is, is the world like going off a cliff? Uh, Sometimes it's a question that starts with Trump and the rise of Donald Trump and the implosion of the Republican Party and this almost haunting question a number of people have had, like, have, have a significant number of people, like, totally lost the plot? And then from there, uh, violence from mass shootings to the, to the war in Syria to ISIS to unarmed young men being shot down sometimes in broad daylight by police to, to police being killed um, by snipers. The, this sense that we are seeing more images of violence than ever. Um, for some, the question has a money angle to it. Like, is the whole thing rigged? Is it a game? Are there a few elites at the very top with an incredible amount of money and they've literally thrown the game in their favor while more and more people struggle just to pay rent and find a job. Um, so it's violence, it's politics, it's money. And then uh, what I've picked up on again and again, well, I'll tell you what happened to me the other day. My son was sick, and so I went to the pharmacy to get his medicine. And when I go in the front door, there's like this long row of magazines that you have to walk through to get into the store. I mean, it's like 50, 50 feet of uh, drugstore magazines, and almost every one of them have a picture of Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian on the cover. And there's some dispute among these two women involving a phone call and a song and a videotaping of the phone call. Uh, and I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, but the fact that you and I know these sorts of things means that there is a multi-billion dollar gossip celebrity news media machine that is firehosing us with bits and pieces and fragments of things that we don't really need to know. Are you with me on this? And so there are a massive number of Syrian refugees fleeing for their life but on Huffington Post, that gets the exact same amount of um, headline space as what this pop star wore to dinner last night. And so uh, it's, it's as if our culture has lost the ability to weigh and discern what's important and what isn't. Just the fact that the political system, the headlines that are being made are so often a million miles 
from actual discussion about actual policy that might actually help real people. Uh, some sense, you can see why people are we losing our minds? What's happening? Now, uh, for about 25 years, I have been getting up in the morning and I work on the next sermon teaching talk book. It's like that's what I'm hardwired to do. And recently I have been uh, studying the wisdom tradition, specifically the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I'm fascinated with the subtlety and the nuance and the brilliance and depth of the ancient wisdom tradition. And just recently, uh, I had one of those moments when what I, writings from several thousand years ago that I've been studying, I suddenly was like, wait, these are all the same issues. This is all the stuff that's in the news right now. Our relationship with the land, whether it's industrial farming to environmental degradation to the sense that we are doing something deeply destructive to the soil, which is in turn destroying us. Um, the sense of advertising being relentless. You're, we're always being sold to. Violence, the celebrity gossip machine. Um, TMZ does tours and they literally, a TMZ bus goes by our house a couple times a day, and you can sign up and pay, and TMZ will give you like a celebrity gossip tour of um, Los Angeles and Hollywood and West Hollywood. Is that bonkers? Like there's an industry making billions of dollars to tell you gossip. Um, to, and I've also noticed the number of people who the stress and anxiety and the inability to sleep well is somehow connected with the images and fragments and bits and pieces that they're being firehosed with every day. And so I had this moment like, oh, we, we as human beings, we are facing the same things that people have been facing for thousands of years. And so when that question comes up, how do you watch the news and not lose your mind? There is an ancient tradition of wisdom that existed to ground and center and root you in peace, in joy, in a calm sense that you're not losing your mind, that you can have a clear head and a full heart, and you can actually engage life with some level of focus and intentionality. So that's what I want to do. I want to introduce you to this wisdom tradition, and it's going to take a while. First, I want to take you uh, through the book of Proverbs and show you some of the big ideas, some of the central themes. So uh, there'll be multiple parts to that, but that'll be like a, almost like a part one, which will be Proverbs wisdom. But I can't show you Proverbs wisdom without showing you Ecclesiastes wisdom, because Ecclesiastes wisdom is essentially the wisdom for everybody who followed Proverbs wisdom and still had their heart broken. And uh, I call it the wisdom after wisdom. So you need Proverbs wisdom, but then if you actually live in the world and you take some shots, you get some bruises and some wounds, you need Ecclesiastes wisdom as well. And then um, what Jesus was doing was essentially bringing a new subversive post-conventional wisdom. So I'm going to have to, I want to take you through uh the wisdom tradition as Jesus understood it. And then we'll have to talk about 
pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional wisdom, and we're going to cover all sorts of territory. I don't know. That's probably like January, February. Who knows? Um, but we'll start with Proverbs wisdom, and I actually have no idea how long this will take, um, but I am really, really excited about it. Uh, I keep discovering new things, and there's that moment when you realize, oh, this thing that has everybody spinning right now, there's actually a way to think about this that's helpful and insightful, and you actually don't have to spin like that. Um, there can be clarity and direction and focus. Um, so that's what I want to do, is I want to introduce you to the wisdom tradition, and my hope is that it helps you uh, in everything from how you follow the presidential campaign to how you sleep, to how you think about how you talk, to what you eat. Um, we're going for the whole thing here. <laughs> so there, that's my intro. Um, so now, let's jump in, shall we? And this, um, this episode is in some ways just an intro. Um, I just want to cover a few basic ideas, and then um, we'll gradually get more and more in specific. But in terms of an intro to the wisdom tradition, um, Proverbs is where we're going to start. And that's a book in the middle of the Bible. And uh, I love it because it's just the poetry, the insight, some of the turns of phrase. Um, but there's one central idea that I want to show you that um, uh, it's just so interesting. So first off, the word wisdom. Um, right away in Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, there's a bunch of authors of the book of Proverbs for gaining wisdom and instruction. The word wisdom is the word hakma, and it's uh, feminine word. So in the Hebrew language, there are masculine and feminine words. It's a feminine word. Now, the reason why that's interesting is because in the ancient wisdom tradition, wisdom is personified as a woman, as a she. So uh, chapter three, she's more profitable than silver. She yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. There's something about that that I absolutely love. So in the wisdom tradition, like in the Greek tradition, Sophia is wisdom. In the Hebrew tradition, once again, wisdom is a woman. And wisdom was understood, when they talked about wisdom, they talked about wisdom being present since the beginning of the world. Uh, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. So when in the ancient wisdom tradition, they talked about wisdom, they weren't talking about just really smart people who got good SAT scores. They were talking about aligning yourself at the deepest levels of your being with something that's been present in creation the whole time. Uh, by knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. So you'll often notice that wisdom and knowledge are paired um, together. And oftentimes wisdom is also linked with grace. So don't let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. There'll be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. So the deeper you go into the wisdom tradition, the more you're in the flow of this wisdom, that has been present in creation from the very beginning, the more there's a grace 
to your life. I know, isn't that good? And then um, I love this. Uh, at different sections in Proverbs, wisdom speaks up. She speaks out. And um, she says she raises her voice to all humankind. So in the wisdom tradition, it was never about one particular religion. It was always about wisdom calling out to all of humankind. You who are simple gain prudence. We're going to talk about prudence in another episode because when you see what they meant by this word prudence, which for us is kind of an uptight, like prudent. But when you see what the word means and what they meant, uh, so good. Uh, So uh, like chapter 8, I, wisdom, uh, I possess knowledge and discretion. And then she goes on, the Lord brought me forth as the first of the Lord's works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. So I love this idea in the wisdom tradition because the way that our world works is there's a news cycle, right? Like things come and then they go. Things are in, then they're out. Things are in fashion, then they're gone because there's a new thing on the rack at the store. And so we live in a world that just goes faster and faster and faster and faster. And when you enter into the wisdom tradition, it's the other impulse. It's not what is the thing of the moment? What is the buzzfeed that I have to catch right now? It is what has been true the whole time? What has been here the whole time? What is baked into how the whole thing works? So when we talk about wisdom, we are talking about your ability to spot in whatever it is that's coming at you, that's chattering, that's clanging, that's telling you, I am of the moment. When we talk about the wisdom tradition, we are talking about you and I growing in our ability to spot the thing that's true here that's always been true. It's almost like modern culture is trouble and we're looking for base. Are you with me now? <laughs> we're, looking, we're looking for the low rumble that undergirds the whole thing. And then uh, there's this great line when, when wisdom, she speaks up and she says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in the divine presence, rejoicing in God's whole world and delighting in humankind. So when you read the wisdom tradition, in the ancient wisdom tradition, beginning in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. And she's personified as a woman who's for human beings. She wants human beings to thrive. She wants to help. She wants to show us how to live. And what I love is she's filled with joy. And she talks about the world as a place of joy. So in the ancient wisdom tradition, and this was an ancient violent world with a very strong tribal consciousness, right? Like you build up your tribe in order to protect your tribe and slaughter other tribes. But in a primitive barbaric world, an ancient wisdom tradition arose that understood wisdom to be a woman who's calling out to all of humanity, who's insisting 
that you can have joy, that you can have a good life, that you can sleep well. We'll get to that in a minute. That you can sleep well at night. I love uh, chapter one of Proverbs. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. The reason why I love the she calls aloud is it's the Hebrew word Torona. By the way, a great name if you're having a daughter, Torona. T-A-R-O-N-N-A-H, Torona. That means to give a ringing cry. It's from the word uh, Ronin or Ronin, which means joy. So when it says that wisdom comes and she calls aloud, they understood wisdom to be shouting for joy, to be crying out. She's so full of joy, it's overflowing, and she's inviting everybody into her joy. So the reason why I called this wisdom part one, because I know in our world, wisdom is like, oh, please, wisdom. No, in the ancient tradition, wisdom is joy. Wisdom is electric. Wisdom is singing. Wisdom is dancing. Wisdom is calling to all of humanity and insisting that whatever it is that you are seeing, there is a joy to be had, a divine presence in all of creation. And then, and this is great, she also has some serious sass. She has some attitude. She will mock you. Now, in Proverbs, there are these very uh, stock characters. There's the wise one. There is the fool. There is the righteous. There is the wicked. There is the prudent, and we're going we're gonna to do some work on that word because when you see how it, the subtlety and nuance of the word, there is the prudent, and then there is the simple. And so uh, what, the, what the Proverbs writer does is create these sort of stock categories of righteous, evil, good, wicked. Um, sp- the, the, the wisdom writer speaks in very, in this situation, here's the right thing to do. In this situation, here's the destructive thing to do. Um, and so you'll notice these sort of stock characters, um, but one of the things wisdom does is she goes off right away in chapter one, and uh, she mocks you if you ignore her. I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. So in the wisdom tradition, wisdom is a woman, and she's crying out to all of humanity. She's singing for joy, inviting you. She's essentially essentially inviting you to line yourself up with the deepest truths of the universe. And she keeps insisting that she's all around you, calling to you all the time, and that if you ignore her, and if you disregard her, and if you spurn her, then all sorts of uh, terrible things will come your way, and she will mock you. (laughs) So there are all these lines... Uh, about the simple. And wisdom has disdain for the simple. And the simple is a category of person um, who isn't hungry, isn't, they're kind of, we would say clueless, but not even clueless. It's like a, almost like tone deaf to wisdom. And uh, she just says, those who are simple, they hate knowledge. Um, They have no reverence. They will not accept advice. They spurned my rebuke, and so they will eat the fruit of their ways. So wisdom is this joyous woman, but she also has some attitude. She's badass. 
You know what I'm saying? Wisdom has like this badass, I will keep singing and shouting and helping you, but if you reject me, you will have to live uh, with the fruit of your ways, essentially, is how it put it's put again and again and again. So, uh, a couple thoughts. And once again, we're just doing an intro here, just get you warmed up for where we're going to head with this. A couple things. First, there's no ceiling on wisdom. Uh, for many of us, we took the ACTs and the SATs when we graduated from high school. So we know about measuring intellect. We have IQ tests. Um, engineers at Google. I was uh, speaking at Google recently, and one of the engineers was telling me about when you get a job there, the interview process and how they find out your uh, coding and computer engineering expertise, like how they figure out how much knowledge that you have. Um, there's a ceiling on some of that. Um, I, I am more math challenged. I would literally compete against anybody you know at being bad at math because I will literally tap out so early <laughs> when it comes to numbers. I just, my brain goes bonkers. I get sweaty, uh, like the, the back of my neck gets all warm. Like if I get too many numbers in front of me or if it gets slightly too complicated, I like just lose it. Uh, so there's like a ceiling on IQ. There's a ceiling on certain kinds of intelligence, but not with wisdom. Do you realize my brain can only do so much, but with wisdom, man, there's no limit. There's no limit. So if you hear the word wisdom and you're like, well, yeah, I didn't do that well in school. We're not talking about IQ. We're not talking about brains. Uh, we're talking about something else. Uh, Proverbs chapter two, it says wisdom will enter your heart. So in the ancient tradition, they understood a person to be a far more integrated reality. In the modern world, for many people, we're just a collection of parts. We're a body, and inside the body, there's these different things like a brain. So you'll literally have people saying, oh, so-and-so is really smart. And you'll say, what do you mean by that? And they'll say, oh, they went to a good school, or they got good grades, as if that's a, the mark of intelligence. So you can see in the modern world how we prized a particular kind of, a, a very, very narrow actual kind of intelligence that can be measured on tests. I never did well in school. Um, school always made me feel stupid, honestly, um, because I grew up in a world where your grades were the measure of how smart you were, and I never got good grades. Whenever it was like, this is how it's done, there was something within me was like, yeah, but isn't there some better way that it could be done, or couldn't it be done this way? Um, and I generally got marked down for that attitude. So uh, I didn't, d academics, um, I graduated from college thinking I was not very smart. Um, and in high school and college especially, uh, it made me feel like I was quite stupid, to be honest with you. Um, and that is because I was uh, raised in a modern world that prized a particular kind of intelligence that could be narrowed down to a couple very specific filters and then tested generally involving a scantron where you'd fill in bubbles with a pencil. Um, when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about something else. So in the ancient tradition, wisdom talks about entering your heart. 
Um, we'll see how in the wisdom tradition, your heart, your body, your bones, everything was an integrated, seamless reality, a much healthier way to view yourself. Um, this is why smart people often tweet stupid things, by the way. This is why, why very wealthy, famous, accomplished people take photos of their body parts and send them and ruin their careers. And we're like, how did that person who's that smart and that rich, how did they do something that dumb? Here's the answer. Wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, there's even books. Of, uh, there's a couple different books out, uh, that I know of about people who lost their career because of things they tweeted. Um, what are those books about? Essentially wisdom. It's one thing to be smart. It's one thing to know how to make money. It's a different thing to be wise. So sometimes what you are seeing are very public, uh, ugly examples of intelligence without wisdom, of brain power without wisdom, of processing speed without wisdom. And here's the thing about wisdom. Here's the good news of the wisdom tradition. There's no ceiling on wisdom. You and me, we can seek wisdom. We can go after it. We can learn to ask questions. We can open our eyes and minds and hearts. And wisdom, uh, there's no limit. There's no limit. So anybody who's like, well, wisdom would be nice, but you don't understand. I've just made a mess of things. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wisdom, no ceiling on that. Second, uh, in the wisdom tradition, there are these stock characters. There are fools, and there are the simple, then there's the wise and the prudent. There are these uh, stock characters, and one of the words the, the, in the wisdom tradition they use is the fool, and the fool is the person who despises wisdom and instruction. They despise correction. So this is somebody who refuses to listen when somebody else says, hey, um, there's probably a better way you could do that. And uh, at, its, at their heart, the fool isn't a student. The fool isn't hungry. The fool isn't thirsty. So if you uh, are like, man, I don't want to be the fool. If you have some sense like, I want to know more. I want to understand more. I want the eyes of my heart to be enlightened. Great line for the New Testament. Then you have nothing to worry about. The moment you're like, yeah, please, I want to learn this. Someone teach me. That, that is the clearest indication that you aren't in those categories because that's all that's required. In the wisdom tradition, over and over again, what you find is the person who's like, yeah, I'm open. Yes, I'm teachable. Yeah, please, somebody instruct me. Yes, what can I learn from that? Yes, help me understand that better. You're in. That's all it is. It's literally that straightforward again and again and again. And the reason why I say that is because you and I, I'm sure, I'm sure you're like me, you know people who aren't hungry. They aren't thirsty. Uh, they don't have any questions. They don't, they don't seem to be woke. Uh, they don't seem to be awake. They, uh, they're fine. And any correction that does come their way, they bristle, they get easily offended. Uh, that's the fool. The fool is the person who isn't hungry, isn't thirsty, and doesn't uh, want anything more. Third, 
What you'll find again and again and again is this line that repeats throughout Proverbs, and it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Um, The word fear carries with it the idea of respect. It's like a holy reverence. It's like a holy terror, but a good terror. Um, One, uh, Kristen and I love to go out in the ocean and stand up paddle, and uh, on numerous occasions, we've been out in the ocean and have been out with whales. Um, But I remember this one time, we were paddling way, way out, like, I don't know, a mile. We're way out in the ocean, and a whale went under Kristen's paddleboard, surfaced between the two of us, and then went under my board. <laughs> like a, I was going to say a big whale, as opposed to, you know, the other kind. Um, but in a, when you're in the water, and this happens to me every time, when you're in the water with a whale, you just haven't been in close to something that big as a general rule in most of the course of your life. But what's interesting is it's massive. And the blowhole, when it does that blowhole thing, it's so loud that it like rattles you, it shakes you. But you know that the whale doesn't have any desire to hurt you. You're probably fine. Um, you're probably going to be fine. I say that probably like, you know, um, we were playing the odds here. But what's interesting, uh, the first time that I saw a whale go under Kristen's board and then it surfaces between us and then it goes under mine, I look over her and she has tears coming down her face. And I do too. Because you've been around things that are good, but they're not that big or terrifying. And you may have been around things that were terrifying and massive, but they weren't that good. But when you come across something that is both massive and terrifying in its massiveness, and yet also good, it is, uh, well, this is where the ancients came up. I mean, this is what holy is one of the words. Um, And so when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord essentially is where wisdom starts. There is this deep, profound respect for the nature of life itself. There is a holiness to your breath. You're here. You were given life. You have all this power to create your life. And in the wisdom tradition, something powerful happens when you connect with this holy, sacred reverence for your very existence. Now, when it says the fear of the Lord, the word Lord there in the English, it's capitalized L-O-R-D, all capitals. That's a reference because there's tons and tons of names for the divine. People have been trying to name ultimate reality for thousands of years. So even in the Bible itself, they're all over the place when it comes to trying to name reality. Um, But one of the names that you find again and again is this name Lord, which is from the Hebrew Yahweh. Now, this comes from the Exodus story. These slaves were oppressed and they cried out, and this divine being heard the cry of the oppressed. We're getting into that later in a future episode, but this is really important because in human history at this time, the gods were on the side of the slave owners, but this is a whole new conception of the divine. This divine is on the side of the slave and hears their cry and sends them a liberator, Moses, to rescue them. So, this name, Lord, when you see capital O, L, capital O, capital R, capital D, This is rooted 
in a belief that there is a divine power that hears the cry of anybody who's got the boot of an oppressor on their neck. Are you with me? Any of you struggling with an addiction, how does our recovery begin? It begins when we acknowledge that we are powerless, when we surrender, when we cry out, yes, yes, there is power there when you come to the end of yourself. So central to the wisdom tradition is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. It is when you have a profound, holy, trembling respect for the power that can liberate you. When you come to the end of yourself, when you're no longer bloated with your giant ego that thinks it's the answer to everything, when you're ready at the point, when you've hit the wall, when you've got nothing and you're crying out for wisdom, guidance, instruction, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. So if you hear the word wisdom and you're like, yeah, I've made a mess of things, you're in a beautiful place, my friends. You're in exactly the place where the whole thing starts. So that's why you get an old phrase like that, which people have abused for years. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's essentially you begin with, I need help. Uh, I've made a mess of things. Um, is the whole thing going off a cliff? Somebody help me. And wisdom is there. She's shouting. She's singing. She's like, come on now, let's do this. Um, and then I would add, there is something sacred and holy to life that must be honored and protected. And there is something sacred and holy to our common life together that must be honored and protected. So when it feels to you like an election is just theater or it's already been co-opted by money, it feels like it's disrespecting our common life together. You see what wisdom does is it heightens your senses to this gift of life. Um, how we live together, how we educate our kids, how we take care of the poor. There are 66,000 homeless in Los Angeles. Um, we are sick. There is something wrong with our communal life together. The answer is not more bombs. Um, there is something going on here that matters and we need help. When you find yourself with those sorts of impulses, yes, of course, there is something sacred and holy to life that must be honored and protected, and it's worth it to honor and protect it. And that's where wisdom begins. Come on. Oh, so good. <laughs> and those of you who I learned in England are doing this drinking game, there it is. So good. Your first drink. <laughs> I wanted you to be sober for the first 34 minutes of this podcast. Uh, and then fourth, you'll notice as we work our way through the, the wisdom tradition, words like instruction, restraint, discipline, correcting, understanding, insight, prudence, knowledge, discretion. These are not sexy words, let's be honest, right? Go into a club with your friends and be like, dude, prudence, I'm in the house, Right? You know what I'm saying? Do some tweets about discretion. <laughs> yeah. Show up and be like, you know what? I'm just all about insight, understanding, discipline, and correction. Not the sexiest words. Would you agree? Um, these are essentially counterculture values right now. Because uh, for many people, what's happened is the thing is moving so fast that that's where you end up living. 
What can be obtained right now in this moment? But everything that matters in your life involves some element of playing the long game. Uh, you, you want to have a significant relationship. You want to be married. You want a partner. You, you, maybe you want to have a home and some kids. That's a long game. How are you going to live with somebody and not just tear each other to shreds for 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years? That's playing the long game. Uh, do you want work that's meaningful? Do you want to wake up in the morning with some sense that you have a craft that you're working that you've been doing it for a while and there's a joy in this thing that you're here to do. That's the long game. That's going to take a while. Uh, if you're going to do it for the money, that'll wear out pretty quickly. But if you're going to do it because you want to wake up 25 years from now and think, I can't believe I get to do a bunch of podcasts about wisdom, then you align yourself in a very different way. And that is going to require insight and discipline, and discretion, and knowledge. So when we talk about the wisdom tradition, I uh, am fully aware that we are talking about the least sexy words, but these are also the words that help you become the kind of person who has the kind of life that everybody is trying to get, which is you have meaningful relationships with some history to them. You're getting to do work in the world that means something. You're sleeping well at night because your conscience is clear. <laughs> yes. So uh, we will we will probably do an entire episode on discipline. And uh, it's not because we're trying to kill the joy. It's because we're, we're going after the joy. And what you realize in the wisdom tradition is uh, to have the joy, to have the sense of wonder and awe about your own existence means you're not just caught up in whatever the latest Instagram is. Uh, you don't have to spin. You don't have to wander around in a fog. You don't have to watch the news and wonder if the whole thing is falling off a cliff. You can actually make sense of your past, your present. You can even begin to identify certain patterns in the world because the thing that's happening now that's confusing everybody, it's actually happened before. And there's very little that's new under the sun. There are great mysteries to life, but there's also wisdom. And deconstruction is fine. Deconstruction is very popular right now, taking things apart, uh, the number of people starting podcasts because we just want to have honest discussions where we can talk about what we're really thinking. Awesome. Love it. Totally behind you. It's but it's also, uh, it's also easy to tear things apart. It's also easy to talk about everything that you're bitter about, everything that you're leaving, everything that's made you cynical, everything that's hurt you. That's easy. It's important, but it's easy. Uh, wisdom is about having something to say. Wisdom is about having insight. Wisdom is about understanding what's just below the surface. Uh, so there's a time to take things apart. There's a time to deconstruct. There's a time to uh, get angry. But then there's a time for wisdom, understanding, insight, knowledge, discretion, and instruction. So when we talk about the ancient wisdom tradition, what we are talking about is you and I seeing more clearly, which leads me to a fifth point. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Rage Against the Machine. I love that band. And um, they have just gone out. Three of the members of, of Rage Against the Machine have gone out. The singer isn't gone out with them. 
but they just come out with a, a new song and they're on tour with uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill and Chuck D. And so they're calling themselves the Prophets of Rage and they put posters up all over our neighborhood. And um, that is just, it's fantastic. And they have these red hats that instead of saying, make America great again, they say, make America rage again. I am a huge Tom Morello fan. Um, I love this band. And they raise their fit and they get fist and they get angry. And like the motto for their current tour, and if they're coming to your city, go see them. Oh my word, what a show. But um, I haven't seen them yet. I'm just saying it like I know it'll be a great show. And uh, they're talking about America, make America rage again, get angry. I love it because sometimes you need to get angry. The fact that the political system could be hijacked by nonsense or by... Uh, donors and money this makes me angry the fact that it's uh so many urban schools are deteriorating and there isn't enough resources to do it right it should make you angry the fact that there are still people who don't have access to clean water it should make you angry like there is a time to raise your fist and get really righteously pissed off so in our communal life and when you take in the world around you you had better have moments when you're angry. If you see the world in all of its ugliness and injustice and cruelty and human trafficking and go down the list, if there isn't something within you that just rages, uh, then, you're, then, then you're sleeping. But here's the thing. To fix these problems, we're going to need to be grounded and clear-headed and rooted and centered and reasonable, and we're going to have to go after these problems and fix them. But if you're going at them just with your fists flying, it's not going to happen. So in the wisdom tradition, there is plenty of healthy room to get really, really, really pissed off and rage and make America rage again. I love it. But ultimately, the wisdom tradition moves you to a place where you're ready to actually get some stuff done, in which you're grounded and centered and clear-headed, and you're rooted in something way, way, way bigger than yourself. And that's what it takes to actually get things done. And so when we talk about the wisdom tradition, what we're talking about is you being unleashed in the world in a way that could actually make a difference. And then uh, one more point. Actually, I have like five more points. <laughs> um, what you'll notice is that in the wisdom tradition, the wisdom tradition talks a lot about anxiety and it talks a lot about sleep. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, when you lie down, you won't be afraid. Your sleep will be sweet. And so the wisdom tradition isn't ultimately esoteric ideas about the foundations of the earth. The wisdom tradition always understood that when you ground yourself in the wisdom tradition and you learn these things, insight, discretion, prudence, discipline, it will affect your body. It will affect your health. It'll affect our bunch of references to bones and uh, it will... It will affect your anxiety, your stress, your worry, your fear, and ultimately you will sleep better. 
So in all of these things we're going to look at for the next, I don't know how many months, um, the goal in the wisdom tradition was never just nice abstract discussions. It was always that you would lay down and you wouldn't have fear and your sleep would be sweet. Now, to wrap this up, and once again, we're just doing the intro. This is just a couple of real basic thoughts just to keep things started. Uh, the question you ask yourself is simply, what is the wisdom to be gleaned here? Think about a struggle that you've had. Think about an obstacle that's in your way. Think about something that's breaking your heart. See, when in the wisdom tradition, they understood that wisdom was calling aloud. She's shouting in the street. She's always talking to you. The reason why they personify her as a woman, she's as old as the universe. She's baked into the whole thing, and yet she's speaking to you right now. She's calling to you. Is take a struggle that you're going through right now, an obstacle, something breaking your heart. Is there something in your way? Is there something or someone that won't go away? Whatever it is, is it financial stress? Is it a relational uh, issue? Is it somebody who you have been trying to get them to do something and they won't do it and you realize there must be some better way than this? Uh, is it something you've been reading about in the news that you just can't shake? You pause, you breathe, and you ask, what is the wisdom here? What is there in this for me to learn? Because your impulse with all problems is you want to fix your problems and, and you want answers to your questions. But the wisdom tra tradition says, wait, pause. Take a deep breath. You're a student. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You want to gain wisdom. So what is she saying? What is the wisdom here? What is she teaching me? For so many of us, we're so wounded and frustrated and terrified that we forget to ask, what is the wisdom here for me? What is the thing that I could learn here? There's this great line in chapter seven. It says, say to wisdom, you are my sister. And say to insight, you are my relative. I love that. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. So say to the very foundations of the universe, say to the insight and intelligence that's been birthed with creation itself, say to wisdom, you are my sister. Uh, and in some ways, I get to go around and tell people stories about a mess I've made of things. And then I tell people what I learned about it. That's what we all get to do. Uh, I tell, if you read my book, like my new book, How to Be Here, most of the stories are about things going wrong, <laughs> blowing up in my face, or I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yes, of course, all of us, that's how it works. The issue is just whether we're listening. Uh, maybe you have this thing like, I'm the farthest thing from wise, or you've made a mess of things. Here's the good news. If you've made a complete mess of things, if you don't, if you see yourself as the last person to ever obtain wisdom, if you have a train wreck history of relationships or business or trying to create things, here's the thing. There is so much wisdom in all your failure. What do you mean by your failure? How did you make a mess of it? How would you do it differently? What is the lesson in there? If your kids heard you tell that story about that horrible thing that you were a part of, 
and you were telling them the story, what is the conclusion to the story? What would you say to your kids? So kids, do this or don't do this. See, it's all right there. And the more your life has been a train wreck, first off, the better stories you're going to have. But she's right there. She's your sister. All that wisdom, it's right there. And you can grow in it and you can open yourself to it and you can learn from it. Chapter four of the book of Proverbs, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And that's the beauty of the wisdom tradition is you can learn what it is that makes you stumble and you can grow in this. And then when you interact with people and you do your work and you're with your friends or family or uh, you're watching the news, you don't have to be thrown all around in the darkness because you know a little bit more than you did yesterday. Yeah. She say to wisdom, you are my sister. So that is an intro to this wisdom series. And uh, for those of you who are up for this, I am so thrilled that we're going to go to all sorts of places. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to see where it takes me. And, uh, there we go. That is part one wisdom and, uh, meet your sister. And then we will continue on with part two a week from now. Grace and peace, my friends.